Welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today, we continue our series of discussions focused on the results of a family office survey that we released recently. In that report, we asked over 200 family office executives to give us their thoughts on risk and threat matters they face every single day. The results were very illuminating on one hand, um, answering some questions that we all had, but also posed some new ones, provided some unexpected insights into the risk management characteristics and behaviors of family offices. Uh, the findings certainly opened some new areas for the, the community to evaluate, but also present some opportunities for both family offices and the advisors that serve them uh, to address risk more effectively. My guest today is Chris Pearson of Black Cloak. Uh, you know, Chris, before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, specifically around your experience of working with family offices. Yeah, Edward, uh, great, to, great to be here with you. And thanks so much once again, and to you and to Boston Private. Um, Black Cloak is a concierge cybersecurity and privacy protection platform. It's a platform that is built from the ground up to protect uh, high net worth individuals, single family offices, multifamily offices, high profile individuals uh, through and through and in their personal lives. We protect their privacy. We protect their home. We protect all of their devices and kind of do so with, with uh, a, a mindset of concierge approach, a really protecting their peace of mind for not just, not just them, but right for their entire family, Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3. Um, all these things are interrelated and connected. And so we really work a lot hand in hand with those single family office members. Uh, and, and the report that Boston Private uh, uh, you know, has put out, is putting out, uh, really just solidifies a lot of those in a, in a manner that's very, very easy to call and understand. Well, thanks, Chris. Well, let's dive into that report and let's talk about one of the findings that you and I had discussed, and that's certainly around underestimating of cyber risk. Uh, you know, whether a family office is new or, you know, has been at, in the business for a couple of generations, there's a lot of factors uh, that go into the mindset uh, of this family office when it comes to risks, specifically around cyber risk. What's been your experience in this area with the families that you work with? Yeah, you know, a lot of this is um, a lot of this kind of starts out on the well, you know, I'm not an attractive target. Um, maybe I'm not the person or the family that they want to go ahead and target or attack. And so there's a fundamental misunderstanding there about um, the risks that are there, about the targeting, about the selection of uh, high profile, high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that in many cases, you know, uh, uh, those are investment firms that are going to supply many generations to come, and they're almost like small banks. Um, so, I mean, I think that one of the facts that really stood out was this lack of understanding, so to speak, of, of cyber risk. Um, but, but yet, in terms of the survey data, you know, it seemed like, you know, some 52% of those folks, right, were rating cybersecurity and the cybersecurity risks as a major or a catastrophic, you know, event, right? 52%, 8% rating it as catastrophic, 44% rating it as major. Um, and, and we see that, you know, a lot. We see that, you know, through our cybersecurity analysts, through our relationships, and now through this report. And it seems like there's some divergence there. Um, it seems like in one aspect, folks are saying this is a potential, you know, financial killer, huge financial risk to us, our family, our family office, yet not necessarily mustering the right controls 
right, not mustering the right defensive measures and protective measures to go ahead and combat that risk. I think those are some uh, certainly some really great points, uh, Chris. I think another one, uh, you know, similar to that, is really around how how prevalent cyber attacks are on family offices. Uh, I know we have all seen different reporting in this area. We, you know, we found that it was over uh, over a quarter of family offices have admitted to suffering a, a cyber attack. What are you seeing uh, out in the field with the families that you're working with on, on this issue? Yeah, what's interesting, what's interesting about the statistic is that, uh, um, you know, we see similar pattern. Um, I can tell you right here and right now that when we onboard our clients, 20%, so one out of five, two out of 10, 20% of them, their homes and home networks are wide open to attack. 39%, three nine, so four out of 10 of these folks, they have active malware on their devices when we are onboarding them or their home is under uh, are open to attack. That's right, 40%. And then when you mix that in, and we know because we're there, we're implementing the protection solution, the black cloak solution. So we know because those data is, that data comes from our cyber analysts, our forensic analysts. And when we take a look at the results from the report, it said 26%, right? Family offices ever suffered a cyber attack, 26%, right? And now, that's, there's going to be a portion that's probably another five to 10% in there that they actually don't know that they've suffered an attack, are under attack, and maybe it's in a month, maybe it's in three months, that they are going to have some type of an incident, a business email compromise, a ransomware, some type of financial risk. Um, so it really aligns nicely with the data that we're seeing on the receiving end of those alerts and of that protection and what people are publicly reporting. Um, but it's a scary statistic. Um, it's a very scary statistic when you actually look at and you say, hey, out of the number of single family offices that are out there, one quarter of them have been attacked in the past. And guess what? When cyber criminals actually make off with funds, make off with intellectual property, make off with private information, or you know, have a ransomware extortion attack and get Bitcoin from it, they're gonna come back. So we're gonna see this continue to evolve year after year. And with everything that happened in, in 2020, in terms of more of an attack surface at home, uh, the home is the new battleground, uh, Edward. It is definitely the new battleground. I think we're gonna see uh, this number jump when you do this report next year. And what do you attribute that that 10% Delta? Is it just not, not, uh, not knowing, not having a, a, a solution to support them on the cyber side? Or yeah. is it, or is it something else uh, that's coming around the corner? Especially, you know, folks like yourself and, and many others are out there talking about this threat. Uh, it, it still seems like there's that a, a large prevalence of attacks that are still maintaining on this very lucrative uh, cybersecurity target. Set. Yeah, I mean, so it's a few things. Uh, first of all, it's the fact that folks do not know that they are currently a victim. Uh, right, their intellectual property, private details, private data, financial data is being siphoned, but they don't know that they are a victim. Um, and, and, and once again, the report actually highlights this. It says 54% um, of single family offices consistently used endpoint. Let's just break that down, right? Anti-malware solutions, right? Antivirus, anti-malware solutions, 54%. That means, right, on the inverse, 46% don't. Um, our data from our client population, same population, but we're there 
literally holding their hand. Um, we have 59% don't have an endpoint anti-malware, antivirus solution. So when you literally say in some form or fashion that that essentially, you know, some 40 to 50 to 60% of the folks don't actually have the detective measures to be able to understand that they are a victim. Um, that's where you get the delta, that 10% um, in addition. Uh, there are going to be many, many more people out there that are victims. They will find it out in a year, two years, three years. Cyber criminals are patient. Um, and they will find it out perhaps in another generation. So they might not be the direct uh, the direct uh, uh, impact to target, but but someone else one generation down is. So I, I think that a lot of this is right not knowing. Um, it's kind of like a, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like going to the doctor and you're like, well, uh, you know, well I feel great, everything's wonderful, but you really have high cholesterol. Like you you have high cholesterol, but you don't haven't taken a cholesterol test. Um, this is part of the problem here. Many more people are going to be having high cholesterol if they don't get tested or don't know or don't have an understanding of it. It's the same thing in cyber. Um, and people are laying in wait, cyber criminals in nation states. This is how a lot of the different funding um, uh, for nation states is, is occurring uh, through ransomware, through extortion. Um, single family offices don't want a part of this. So I think that 26% number is, um, is definitely a, a bad number. I think it's actually even higher. Oh, uh, another number that jumped out uh, in, in this uh in our research, it was around background checks. That a, a good portion of families uh, conducted background checks on their employees when they started, uh, but never put in sort of a, a continuous monitoring uh, effort for personnel, especially when you consider, you know, the outsized access that a lot of these individuals have uh, to these families. You know, what are some of the potential risks there, and what have you seen uh, with families who have done this well? Yeah, I think, I mean, look, at, you know, single family offices, um, a lot of the folks that are associated with it are in the family, right? They're in the know. Um, but there's always a group, always a group that is not uh, related to you, not part of the official team. They might be contractors, consultants working part time. Uh, they might be people that ebb and flow. Um, but within any family office environment, it needs to be an environment of high trust. That doesn't mean perfection. It just means high trust. When something goes wrong, people feel free to chat about it, to talk about it, to let people know. Um, what you will find, though, is that when you only do that employment or background check at time one, right, at the point in time of employment, you could potentially have blind spots there. You could potentially have blind spots in terms of someone being over leveraged and being potentially susceptible to uh, identity theft uh, uh, rings, to other cyber criminals, uh, et cetera. You could also find yourself in a situation where your investments, your investment strategy, uh, and other financially related information about you and your family and the office are valuable in and of themselves, and that that information is bartered. These are high trust situations, you know, uh, that you're in, embarking on within a family office, and it's one of those things. The measure of risk, right, needs to be right, really needs to be figured out, analyzed, and assessed. Um, but then the right type of control needs to be put in there. You know, that could include some different types of monitoring of accounts or computers. But once again, you want to have trust of your employees. Um, but it could also have just very simply continuing ongoing ability to do uh, background uh, uh, screening, background checks. Uh, and most certainly at points in times when folks are 
going in for uh, uh, raises, advances, career advancement within that family environment, office environment, or when they are taking on new responsibilities. They might have been the meet and greet person and the organization events coordinator person, but now they're transitioning to something where they're going to have much more uh, access to much more amounts of financial information or personal information. Um, that may once again trigger some different, uh, some different review of them and their background for that specific role. These are just things to you know, analyze and assess in terms of what's the inherent risk, what type of control can you put in place, and what's the residual risk, and are you comfortable with that? And if not, how do you go ahead and tackle it? So always want to be heads up, blinders off as it relates to those issues. What about uh, you know the issue of privacy? Uh, that certainly comes up uh, when you look at all of the the risk and threats uh, spectrum uh, that that uh, we've talked about, and, and specifically, you mentioned this before that you know single family offices also have a lot of intertwined uh, relationships between work and personal lives. Uh, is there a way that you've seen families do this well and? What are some potential pitfalls around privacy when, when you take a look at that, uh, that area? Yeah, this is, a, this is really something that's, that's multidimensional. In, in order for the family office to have a comprehensive, a holistic protection plan in place, it must address several facets. One, it has to address the privacy of those individuals. What information is out there? Decreasing the attack surface. What information will be shared and with whom and how is it controlled safely and securely? It's not about not allowing it to be shared for tax forms, K-1s, investments, all the rest, right? It's not about that. It's about controlling it in such a fashion that it is done securely. But the privacy there goes around 360 degrees. Privacy of the individuals in their office life, privacy of the individuals in their investment life, privacy of the individuals in their personal life, and privacy around the quote-unquote family, Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3. Second, right, that mashes in with cybersecurity of their devices in their home, right? You can't have privacy without cybersecurity and vice versa. Um, and so it's really important to tackle those two things together. Um, without tackling it together, you may end up with tons of data that is not well protected um, or, <laughs> you know, uh, lots of data that is flowing around and you think is protected, but maybe, maybe the insider uh, becomes an issue um, or maybe you're over collecting or oversharing. So definitely need to figure out what that privacy attack surface is, limiting the information out on the principles uh, that, uh, that is publicly accessible, removing data broker information, information about you that's publicly accessible on data broker websites, um, hardening up the principles in terms of encrypted password vaults. All of these things play a role in cybersecurity. They play a role in making sure that you're not as big a target. And they play a role in ensuring that the entire family is protected, right? A little bit of herd immunity here um, as well. Well, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you joining uh, me today. And to the folks that are listening, if you'd like to get in touch with Chris or if you have any questions, uh, do send us an email to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. I'd also recommend uh, that you check out our website. You can find numerous resources. You can download the paper that Chris and I discussed. Uh, and you can sign up for a newsletter, get this podcast, and much, much more uh, right there in your inbox. 
That website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you prefer. That's it for today. Uh, Check back for a new podcast next week. Bye, everybody. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.